G'day everyone, I'm Brett Morrison and welcome to the Leadership Sensei radio show. Welcome back, this is a small business podcast where we look at the many facets of what it means to run, own and lead a small business, but also what it means to be a leader, not only of your business and your corporation, but also a leader of yourself and being the example for those that are with you in your life and also on your team. Thanks for joining us, welcome aboard and I hope you enjoy the show. Before we get started with this week's episode, I just want to uh, say, look, I haven't got an episode out for quite a few weeks, and many of you would have noticed that, so I do apologise. I've just been uh, travelling around the country, so I actually had to travel back to my hometown to catch up with my mum and dad. My dad hasn't been well, um, and you know, it's one of those things that we do find challenging and confronting as we, as we grow older, and we see the health of our parents decline, and what it means for them, and also how that, what it means for us as we can see... I guess part of those, the genetics and the DNA kick in. Uh, and so potentially what our future may hold. I'm not saying that that's what our future will hold, but you know there is potential there if we don't take care of ourselves and make sure that we do the best thing that we possibly can for our health. Because you know, what we do now will make a difference in 20 years' time. So it's been rather um, soul-searching over the last few weeks as I've been taking that journey. This week we have a great guest on board. So we have Fiona Grace. She's been a, a friend of my wife's cat for many years. They went through university together. And you know, Fiona has developed her path through her career as a, as a natural therapist and now works with Dr. Joe Dispenza. She's a, a senior team leader with Dr. Joe. And so in this interview, in this discussion this week, you'll hear a lot about mindset and what it means, and but also the choices that we make and the power of those choices and the power of the way we think. Great, great discussion and there's a few rabbit holes that we go down. So I know that you'll enjoy it. Sit back wherever you are. If you're driving to work, enjoying you know, enjoying a podcast, thanks for tuning in. If you're out going for a run, going for a jog or a walk along the beach, what a great way to listen to a great interview. Trust you enjoy it. I'll see you on the other side. Uh, we have a very special guest on tonight. Um, in fact, uh, she's the spectacular Fiona Grace, who's a team leader facilitating workshops uh, with the international, ever popular neuroscientist and mindset star, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Uh, we'll catch up with Fiona just in a moment in relation to conversations referring to mindset and quantum physics. Uh, we'll talk about the quantum field, health, creating your own reality, especially in terms of health, and of course, her own exciting trajectory, and she's had a great one in the last uh, decade or so. So I really think Dr. Joe is actually really lucky to have her on board, very lucky. Um, Fiona, are you there? I am. Uh, so you're a qualified naturopath with over 15 years experience. I mean, I met you at uni and I always thought you were a standout, always. Um, you always practice a vast uh, variety of skills, including herbal medicine, nutrition, food therapy, live blood analysis. You've had a very successful clinic um, out in, was it Blackrock? Who was it? In Blackburn, yeah. In Blackburn, sorry. Yeah. yeah, and you had a special interest in supporting those diagnosed with um, multiple sclerosis. That's right. So you, um, so as a naturopath, obviously you've had a special, a special interest in the link between the mind and health. That's why you've gone over with Dr. Joe Dispenza, haven't you? And yeah, you practice, practice mm -hmm. meditation for a minimum. This is amazing for two hours a day. So um, yep. what I want to ask you is what actually attracted you to be a naturopath? Let's start at the basics. Let's get to really know you. Our well, audience to get to know you. What is it now, like 18, 19 years ago? It feels like forever. <laughs> I, I, I know. And it gets crazy. And um, you haven't changed at all. No, I'm never a year. 
So what attracted me, I think um, growing up I had some health, just minor health conditions and my parents actually took me to a naturopath and um, I was living in Tasmania and I was actually doing an animal science degree to become a vet and in the move to Melbourne I got really sick and suffered quite severe depression Mm. and um, I took myself off to the UK um, just to get out of where I was at in Melbourne and it was um, over there that I found a naturopath and got um, into that so when I moved back to Melbourne I decided that that's what I'd go and study so yeah that's how I got into naturopathy but I always had an interest in all things quantum physics and mindset and natural medicine growing up as a kid so it was an easy easy switch to move into that field yeah yeah first Brett here how are you going good Brett how are you yeah great thanks hey look Look, I think there's a lot of people in life in general that, you know, they talk about wanting to live their purpose and live, live their passion. And Going straight into it, aren't we? We are, and, and quite often they, they often see other people living their passion going, well, how, how did they do that? So yeah. can you just share with the audience what inspired you and, and what took you down this path? You know, it's such a great question because... You know, I've just been working for a personal development company for the last four years and I've just quit. But, you know, I think it's really dangerous. But it's, you know, there's this thing where everybody's meant to find their passion and have a purpose. And if you don't have that, there's something wrong with you. And I think that's such a misnomer. You know, there's the beautiful writer Elizabeth Gilbert has a great um, speech that she did on an Oprah show and she talks about the hummingbird where some people aren't meant to have this great big life purpose. Some people are just hummingbirds and pollinators and they go from one thing to the other. And to be honest with you, and that is their life purpose. You know, that's their purpose just to, to live the journey. And I think sometimes we can get so stuck in having this destination and this big thing that we have to be doing that we forget that the life purpose is the journey and for me only until recently it's only until I found really Dr. John and got into the team leader stuff that I've really found what I was passionate about that. Previous to that I would have told you that I was a hummingbird. So, you know, I think, you know, and I just see so many people and I've talked to so many people where they're just like, we don't know what we're meant to be doing and it's like sometimes that's perfect. Sometimes it's just looking at where you are and being an amazing mum or, you know, enjoying the gardening or whatever it is and as long as you have things that you're passionate about and things that make you have a spring in your step or get out of bed for the day sometimes you're that's exactly where you need to be isn't that amazing how you brought up that metaphor the pollinator you know like 85 percent of um pollinators like the bees and the bugs give us our Mm -hmm. food supply so how important are they to our society really you look at that metaphor absolutely amazing Yeah. yeah And I think a lot of people miss the importance of just being in what they are doing and being good at what, what they do, whether that be um, a physical hands-on labouring job or whether it be you know, a very mind-focused business job in an office somewhere. You know, they lose, I think they lose sight of the value that they bring just at being good at what they are doing right now, right here in the present. And for people that want to change the world and, and do these big things, Sometimes the best place to start is just just be good at what you're doing now. Well, you know, that's that beautiful Gandhi saying, you know, 
be the change you want to see in the world and it's something that I live by. And it's like you you can't change other people. We're not responsible for other people. We're only responsible to ourselves. And so... Did that affect you as a health practitioner? Sorry to interfere. No, no, no. Absolutely. You know, that was always my... And I think when I've spoken about this before, it was something I wrestled with in my mind, you know, that when I... Um, I lived in Canada for a while and worked with this great chiropractor and he was always saying to me, take no credit, take no blame. And as a health practitioner, I always see it as that we're not doing the healing. It's always the client that does the healing and all we do is guide. And we're not, you know, you can't, you can't follow your client home and and check what they're eating and check that their mindset's right and check that they're not having self-destructive thoughts and they're taking their supplements, you know. All you can do is guide and I think feel the best way to do that is to lead by example and that that comes back to that being the change you want to see in the world and and being that so when patients or clients come and see me or if I'm at a Dr. Joe event you know I just got back from one you know where they come and say you are such an inspiration because you lead by example and I think you are I can feel the frequency from here it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) I'm like that's the best thing that I could do you know there is for me that is that's my responsibility as a practitioner I that is amazing. Now, um, I, I love Dr. Joe. You know, ever since he uh, he was in uh, What's a Bleep, yeah. absolutely inspirational from that. Um, now, I'm going to go straight into it. You know, every time you and I talk, we go deep, right? We always go down deep the let's rabbit hole. So let's go, okay? So you know that. And what I love about Dr. Joe is he's um, a really modern neuroscientist who who made um, neuroscience very simple for a lot of people, so the common person understands what's going on. He's brought the science, um, you know, he's brought the science backing up um, what we've believed for a very long time um, mm-hmm. in our field. So, um, and I want to ask, like, if your brain has a record of the past mm-hmm. and we think about 60, isn't it, 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, actually, Brett, you're really good at this, um, and 90% of those are reoccurring. Yeah, uh, yeah. Are your thoughts responsible for your life? Do they have a connection to your future, do you think? Yeah, well, things right and so our thoughts and our emotions lead us into a thinking feeling loop and so when we're thinking and feeling thinking and feeling thinking and feeling all the time you know we have a a thought or a belief and that thought and the belief then becomes you know an an attitude and an attitude becomes (laughs) you know the way that we do things and live our lives and and then they become behaviors and programs and and they become long-term sets behaviors of people you know it might start that you know someone you have a bad day or you you know you blame your husband for something and then someone says oh you're in a bad mood today and it's oh yeah because (laughs) this happened you know it happened an hour ago but you're still like that and then that still continues to happen and then three days later it's like you've still got a really bad attitude it's like oh I'm still hung up on this thing that happened three days ago and then it becomes a temperament and it becomes a behavior and it's like why are you like that oh I'm still hung up 10 years ago from something you know the way that my husband behaved whatever it is and it's that thinking and feeling loop and we our bodies then become our minds so what happens is our, our emotions start to get programmed in our bodies and we start to feel and think the same way and it becomes this um you know the default mode network in our brain it just becomes the way that we operate yeah. and we wonder why we're operating that way all the time but it's you know we're just in that thinking and feeling loop and we just think that's our new set normal and it's not we're just stuck and living in the past yeah look i want to add to that why um people get addicted to the emotions too so you and i both know that um, there's biochemical changes that come in uh come out in response to the emotions that they mm-hmm. actually feel 
So it's like an opioid effect, you know, um, they feel that emotion, they get the um, stress response, they get about, what, yep. 90, is it not like 90 chemicals or 90 neurochemicals that come out yeah, yep. in response to that? Yep. And then obviously, I mean, day after day, if they're setting that, you know, emotion and they're getting those neuropeptides coming out, they, they tend to get an addiction to it. So they fall mm -hmm. into that same behaviour and they fall into that same pattern. And isn't that what Dr. Joe calls personality? Yeah, exactly. And then what happens is you try and break, you go, okay, today's a new day, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to start working out. And you go and you start working out and you have a great time and it's like, yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm going to eat a, I'm going to eat a lettuce leaf for, for breakfast. <laughs> I'm going to the gym and this is really good. And you go like this for a couple of weeks and then you get into the lift and your boss walks in and goes, you're not looking so good today. And all your self-worth stuff comes up again and you go, stuff this, I'm going back to eating McDonald's or whatever. And you go back <laughs> to the old sleep. way, <laughs> even though you've made this resolution. And it's because, you know, your your body released those chemicals and you just fall straight back into the same pattern. And like you said, people get addicted to them. So if you break a habit of being yourself and then your body's like, where's my low self-worth going? I haven't felt that for a couple of weeks. And it starts to create thoughts in your brain. So you will get a hit of those neuropeptides again. Mm. And yeah, mm. and to start the loop. And so you really have to be totally self-conscious about transforming and be all over things. Otherwise, people do slip back into their old programs and habits. Yeah, the ego plays a big part in that too, I think, Fiona. Yeah. You know, the ego is actually here to keep us safe. And after many years, and for many people, it's decades and decades of, just these reoccurring negative thoughts because you know like we said we have 60,000 thoughts a day and 90% are the same as the day before so if we're in this constant loop of the negative thoughts our ego in in order to cope actually deletes a lot of the information out so it's not like yeah. we don't experience good things in our life our ego just doesn't our unconscious literally deletes them out because it yeah. knows that we're looking for the negative stuff so that's what we want to focus on and so to yeah. keep us safe and keep us happy it'll just automatically go default to all the negative things. I know with clients I have in a coaching perspective, I've said, look, can you write down five things that happened bad for you today? And they just, they'll do it in 30 seconds. Uh -huh. And then you say, can you write down five good things that happened to you in the last year? And I've had people just look at me blank. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you have to like physically drag stuff out. Like one person played in a national sporting team and couldn't even put that on the page. I said, surely that's going to be something good. I said, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and, but you know, there's this whole problem with the ego. Just It is there to keep us safe. But like you said, we've got to acknowledge that where we're going wrong and then work consciously to move out of that space. Yeah, it's, it's a passionate thing you've got to do. And it's a great point you just made because, you know, in reality, we see point zero 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 one percent of reality. Yeah. And, you know, they've done this amazing you know, study where they took, um, what was it? They took, yeah, they took, um, they, this is why police have to, if for an eyewitness or a, a witness, they have to interview them straight away because they know yeah. that for the time that's delayed between mm. it, what happens is the brain starts filling in stuff from their old past life. So they know if, say, someone witnessed a, 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 a shoplifting crime or something like that, but say something had happened to them bad when they were a child with Uncle Barry and they start to make the person that was shoplifting over time look more and more like Uncle Barry and that's just the way the brain Amazing. feels in reality because it's filling it in from the past and so mm. like you're saying with people they when we go out in the world we operate from the level that we're at and so we just see the world 
the world is a reflection mm. of who we are. The not filters, what's yeah. Really going on. Yeah. 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 The amazing thing too is anchoring that emotion, like you just spoke about. So when a person comes in contact with that emotion once again, all those biking. Sorry, I keep going back to it because I think the body's amazing the way it operates. But it goes back to that uh, stress ad adaptation response where it hits out all those chemicals once again. So a yep. lot of people tend to live in the past rather than look to the future or stay current. Um, I'm such a big believer that you try to stay in the present. So, you, you know, you, you avoid that timeline therapy where you don't look back at your past mm -hmm. and you stay in the current so you're able to create for your future. Yes, I, I, that, yeah, I totally agree. And when you get there, you know, it took me a good year and a half of really working on myself because I had a huge addiction to stress. And, you know, that, I've only just gotten over that. And as soon as I got over that and I got really present, the amount of stuff that I've created in such a short time, Dr. Joe does these things called Mind Movies and with Natalie yeah. Bedwell from yeah. Mind Movies. Mm -hmm. And I've had to update my Mind Movie five times now because everything in my Mind Movie has come true because I'm so present and I'm now creating my future. And I sat, sat here and all these opportunities and things have come up and I look at it and I'm like, did I create that? Yeah, it's Is amazing. Is that going to happen anyway? Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. And it, it only happens exactly like you said, when you get really present and you've broken those addictions to the past and then you become, you know, we all, everyone's capable of, capable of this. We're all these master creators when we create from the present moment and go forward. Can you just talk a bit more about um, those stress responses and how it affected you? Because I think this might be able to help our audience too. Because when you're in that mode, you obviously can't create. Um, yes. You're not coherent. You're not coherent yes. with your mind and your heart, so you're not in that creative mode. Can you talk? I yes. think this would be really helpful for the audience sure. when you talk about your experience with it. Well, when you're in living in the hormones of stress, your um, brain works back into its primal reptilian brain or um, mammalian brain at the back of the back of the brain there. Reptilian. And when you're in those, yeah, and when you're in that. Um, Part of the brain your frontal neocortex is which is where you create gets shut down and so you cannot create you cannot be creative when you're living in the hormones of stress so when you're in the hormones of stress you can't think of new ways and new things to, to get out of where you're at and hence why we just go around and around in a feedback loop so for me um you know i had um so back in 2011 i'd had this great big clinic but i was stressed and um, it really affected my health. And so I'd sold my clinic off and gotten out of that. And I'd been pretty well managing my stress levels. And then I went back into a really big sort of corporate business um, yeah. the last mm -hmm. four years that I've been in Perth. And yeah. I went back to that old personality and into those hormones of stress. And I lived by them again <laughs> for four yeah. years and, and got sick again, you know. And Is that because you stress. offer comfort? Is that you go back to your own programming because you feel comfortable? Or is that because you become addictive to what you need? Well, I think it's a couple of things. I think for me that I hadn't resolved some self-worth issues. Mm -hmm. So when okay. I get stressed, I decide that I have to just work banana hours, crazy hours to feel worthy. That was my program. And so when I'm under stress and that stuff comes up, I defaulted back. I'd had a good space in between, but I hadn't been put in that circumstance where that self-worth stuff that came up. So... <coughs> I went back to this old personality type and, you know, it's taken, it's really only earlier this year that I sort of got really conscious of it all and I, you know, I quit my job and it was really, <laughs> it 
it was really working with Dr. Joe and he was amazing because he was just on me like a dog yeah. bone. So I was looking see the potential, like, potential, always see the potential yeah. in you. And then, and it was, and then I saw it and I'm like, wow, that is such a personality that's addicted to it. And it was, for me, it was such a huge thing because I could suddenly see this personality that was addicted to it and it was all to do with self-worth. And so um, I did a lot of work on meditating and understanding what the trigger was for me that pushes me into those hormones of stress and having to feel worthy and working long hours. And once I got really aware of it, you know, I... It, it was from that that I was able to break it. And once I could do that, then I got myself out of those hormones of stress and then I was able to create a new future. And from doing that, I feel like for the first time in my life, I've really broken the back of that personality trait that feels like... That's amazing. That, yeah, that self-worth thing has gone. And I realise now that I can, you know, I can go and do things and not. I don't have to be stressed and I can still do a good job and, and it, that's all okay. And it's, But, yeah, that took that took a lot of work. Um, and, you know, often we wait until our health crisis or our, you know, yes. our leaves or something to really get reflective and look at that stuff. But you don't have to wait until a crisis happens to be able no. to And this is what I was going to talk to you about. How can we affect change in people, um, you know, to allow them to heal and change in a new paradigm? Does it always take um, a trauma, something bad happening to them to get to that cross-section where they say, oh, my God, um, things aren't working for me. I need to change who I am what I'm doing. But, yeah, I think that's the most common trigger for most people, but being in in um, these um, week-long retreats that I've been, there are definitely people that just get that there can be a better way. And I think we, I, I think I need to agree with this. There is definitely a waking up going on around the planet at the moment where people are just like, really? Is this all we're here to do? We go to school, we go to university, we get a job, and then we go a nine to five that we're not really sure that we really love that much until what, the new retirement in, in Australia is what, 70? And then we might get the pension and we might mm. be a couple of good mm. years that we get Alzheimer's and end up in a <laughs> like, We're gonna forget that, what we've done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's that life. And I think, especially there's new millennials coming through, you know, mm. what I love about them is they're switched on about that stuff. And they're like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a good life. And so, I'm meeting more and more people in these workshops and even people in their 60s, you know, where they've clued on to their, like, you know, this this isn't right and and there must be a way to break it and they're turning up to things like Dr. Joe events and there are other ways of doing it, of course, where they go, you know, it's time that we, we break that pattern or Fantastic. that rat race or that yeah. programming that we're in. Breaking so down. Some, yeah, breaking yeah, down. Yeah, kind of Rules that don't that work, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Consume. Yeah. Ooh. Now, one of the things I love about going to retreats or going to workshops like that, where there's a lot of people that are thinking the same, you, you build up this energy in the in the mind. It's amazing. You get this extra energy. It's like the sunburst, you know, that come out. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, that really accelerates consciousness. Sure. That extra energy in the brain seems to really yeah. make your mind just, you know, take a quantum leap. It really does. Totally. There's, you know, there's, I mean, I, like I say, I meditate two to four hours every day at home. Two to four? Yeah, two to four <laughs> yeah. every day. That's amazing. You'll have to tell, so what, what do you do? Go through that process, really. Yeah, well, yeah, I've got a, I've got a rack of meditation. It depends what I want to do, but I'm always doing a blessing of the energy centers, which is one of Dr. Joe's, and then... So the gratitude, always, the gratitude is big. <laughs> yes, always the gratitude, opening the heart center and getting really open focus so I'm not just focusing on my body I'm connecting out to the quantum field I guess where all unlimited possibilities 
exist and then so I can go I just can I just stop you while you're there so mm-hmm. when you become coherent with the brain and the heart like you said you were uh-huh. doing doesn't your auric field or frequency extend out to nine meters yes wide? Your electromagnetic field. nine yes, meters wide nine meters and you can affect other people with it you and that's been tested scientifically that's scientifically yeah. tested you know every human is a magnet and when we get sick and we live by the hormones of stress, rather than increasing our electromagnetic field, we draw from it because the body becomes the body has energy running through it. Our heads, our north pole, and around the base of the south pole. Yeah. And so, if there's not energy running through that, and this is all scientifically documented, I'm not talking hocus pocus woo woo stuff here. Look, Leonardo da Vinci we, had it in his diagrams. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Macabre. Yeah. When we get sick and get run down or stressed, we draw from our field rather than putting into it. And mm. so after a while, when we deplete the field, we become sick. You know, and they've proven now that illness disease starts in the field. It doesn't start in the body. And they did this amazing experiment with rats. And I can't Poor remember rats. the name. <laughs> Poor rats. Poor rats. They're they always copying it. Oh, I know. <laughs> great experiment i can't remember the name of the person that ran the experiment but they found that um they rats that had bladder cancer all had the same frequency in their electromagnetic field and then they started to test find rats that still had the frequency in the field but hadn't yet got bladder cancer and what they found was that 100 percent of those rats eventually went on to develop bladder cancer and they were like wow you could test the field to know what was going to happen with with the rats um but yeah, and then they did these amazing experiments where they helped the rats to change. Well, they didn't help the rats. They did um, sent the rats coherent energy, basically, and, and just felt grateful for the rat. They had these students go in and just send the rat love. And the students actually thought it was an experiment about how gullible they were. So it wasn't mm. even done that well. But what they found with all these rats were where they were just feeling gratitude <laughs> for um, the rat, that the rat didn't go on to develop the cancers. That, that they is absolutely amazing. It. Isn't so, that amazing? So you're actually saying that someone's auric field can affect another? Absolutely. Definitely. I just want, yeah. and so if it can create disease next to another person, another person's mm-hmm. field, they can obviously heal another person. Correct. You've got you the potential of the quantum field, the possibilities. Exactly. You can definitely heal people by placing coherent energy into an incoherent field mm. 100% that happens and, and that's been documented and that's something that Dr. Joe's you know works with in his workshops we get people lying down with eight people around them they call it the cage and eight people send that person coherent energy oh, and beautiful. you will watch I have watched there was a woman in the last retreat in Cancun that was born blind oh, wow. and she couldn't see Everything was like pixelated, and she came out of a coherent healing and could see. That wow. is amazing. Yeah, and that's just one of crazy stories. There's another woman with a hole in her heart. She was due to have surgery the week after the retreat, and she had a coherent healing, and she got out of that and went back, and they tested it, and they couldn't find the hole in the heart. It had gone. That's and again, amazing. this is all it's totally amazing. And this, you know, the last one in Toronto, there was some crazy things happening, but 
um, I'm just getting all the stories coming through from my team now. But Absolutely you know, stuff amazing. you think isn't possible is totally, totally possible. Let's it's bring the, the yeah, that's just amazing. Let's bring the science into it because there's probably some people in the audience going, yeah, we're talking new age babble. Yeah, they yeah. don't know the the scientific. But um, look, with quantum physics is obviously um, mind and matter that are so intimately connected that it's impossible to separate the two, right? That's what we mm-hmm. that the matter has a mind and uh, what's this, what's you say the mind is matter. Um, and that differs from what we know as Newtonian physics, which is, um, yes. you know, the, the physics of the predictable, like, you know, um, yes. they fire out a rocket out to space, they can measure exactly. the distance and the time and the science behind it, whereas quantum is um, unpredictable and uncertain. There's a field out there that uh, uh, there's so many possibilities, yeah. yeah, and that's what exactly. they're finding now, right? Yeah, and, and it's scientifically validated, exactly. yeah. And yeah. that's what I love about Dr. Joe is he tests everything. So, yeah, so the quantum is amazing. So if you have like a quantum accelerator and you split a particle and you send a particle... <laughs> I wish like I had it, one. <laughs> yes, I know, in my backyard. And you, and you send... You split a particle in half and you send half the particle and you turn it, you make it, you make it automatically change direction. It's other counterparts changes direction at exactly the same time and it's not a nanosecond behind it is exactly the same time so they're intrinsically linked amazing um yeah which falls outside of the newtonian yeah so the translation there is that the uh atom will change according to who's observing it too correct and that's the way um that's the split uh the split what's it called the split experiment where they fire particles down through a split and if they um if you observe it it turns into a wave function and if you're not observing it it goes back to just being a single particle yeah doesn't that affect all the double blind placebo studies let's go back to placebo yeah yeah okay so it depends on who's really observing them taking them Mm-hmm. Um, what what effect it's going to have? Well, people yeah. behave differently when they know they're being observed too. So, yeah. so does a particle? It's, it's, it's got its own personality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, called, yeah, it's called the observer effect. That's yeah. amazing. Exactly right, and it's how you and you know they however you want the particle to turn up, it turns up. And particles they found now in quantum physics, the particles don't exist until you put your attention on them, and then they all turn up. And then when you take your attention off them, they all disappear. And they just splatter back out into space again. And when you look at them, they all focus back into where you're looking at. It's, wow. It's, Attention yeah. goes where energy goes. So they're waiting for you, really, to focus your energy in a certain or particular fashion. Yeah. yeah. In the, the art of observing them makes them turn up. It, so it puts <laughs> a whole new meaning to does a bear blue in the woods. <laughs> yeah. You know, it really, you know, that really is a quantum physics saying. <laughs> so... This is, this is really important, really, for the health of people. So we, we've talked about this before, but rehearsing your future is obviously, you know, like you plan your food, you plan your behaviours and, and your mental state, but um, uh, rehearsing your future, like priming your brain to put it into the future and out of the past in particular, becomes sure. really important. Well, you're looking at elite athletes are doing this all the time, right? Mental rehearsal, and you look at... Um, piano players and band players, you know, and they did this, uh, they've done the great experiments where they had, um, and the way the brain fires and wires, right? Yeah. They had um, people that had never played the piano before and they had them get on a piano and practice scales um, every day for half an hour for a week and then they measured their brain and they could see that the brain had wired in back um, 
you know, that The program, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but what they also then got people to do was people that didn't even touch a piano key, didn't move their fingers, they just got them to close their eyes and imagine moving their fingers up and down the, the piano. And exactly the same neural pathways as the people that physically practice the scales were wired in the brain. Well, so, so there's the hope for me. <laughs> yes, the brain can't tell the difference wow. between what you mentally rehearse in your mind and what actually happens. It doesn't know the difference. And that's why athletes will go and run a race before they go and run it and imagine themselves winning. And they've hooked them up to all sorts of devices and <coughs> all the same neural pathways in the brain and even to the muscles fire as if they're actually running the race. So the body and the brain has no idea that you're not doing it. It doesn't know the difference between a mental rehearsal and something that actually physically happens. And so your point of mentally rehearsing our future, it primes and it neurologically wires the brain into thinking that that's already happened. You know, I was in, I was at my personal trainer today and one of my um, clients was there and she's got MS and she her right leg doesn't function and so we're working mm. with her to get function in her right leg and one of the things you know we were doing was help trying to get her to raise it and so the personal trainer was standing behind her helping her to raise yeah. it and we were saying to her you just have to mentally rehearse it and you know if you stand already in front see of it already see yeah. it being done yeah. yes and rehearsing it and getting in front of a, a mirror too the brain can't tell the difference between left and right and moving the left leg that does move the brain thinks it's the right leg that's going and it starts <laughs> to lay down those neural pathways it's yeah. a very easy to trick this old brain does but you know really laying down those neural pathways because it's just there's no neural connection because you know it hasn't been working and it's just the brain is amazing it's so plastic that if you give it the ability and get it to do new things it will fire and wire new pathways and it's just and it's Neurons that fire together, wire together, and it's amazing. You yeah. want to embed that. So part of that is that's how you form new beliefs and patterns and behaviours. Is you have to keep on it until that is wired in your brain and the old stuff is is pruned away. So can I just um, clarify that? So what you're saying when they fire and wire together, they actually duplicate, don't they? And so whatever you're thinking at that time, they actually duplicate in that pathway and they create clusters. Don't they? Don't don't they start creating clusters? Yeah. Um, they, well, they the pathway up so it like it lights up so if you've got a thought it lights up all the neurons neurons that connect each other and the more that you do that it strengthens the pathway and that becomes a preferred pathway in the body yeah. so when we get stressed that's a that's a way that we think right so that pathway is really easily fired in the brain but if and you duplicated. make yeah yeah and if you make a really good habit of breaking that forming new habits that stop you from being stressed whether it's the self-worth whatever it is for you that is the fundamental reason that you move into that stress program if you can prune that away by not directing your energy and focus towards it and make new neural connections about feeling worthy and practicing that and doing that then you get new neural pathways formed in the brain and then over time they become the stronger pathway and then the brain has that as a preferred pathway it doesn't go down the old one anymore if you don't trigger the old responses the old chemicals and the old behaviors no. it's like an old walking track isn't it so the more walking track gets used the the, the bigger the wider it gets the easier it is yes. to go down as opposed to as opposed to just walking through the bush once you know you, you keep walking down walking down and our neurons will do the same it'll take the path that's the easiest for it to fire through and the quickest Absolutely. to fire through yeah you go from a little thicket in the woods with all the shrub around it to a great big five lane highway and it's just like exactly so you can't afford a negative thought the luxury of a negative thought obviously well, you can as long as you catch it and it's more that you, you take your attention to it and you're like oh look what i just did you know there's an awareness there and then you you can go okay and then you take your attention 
back across to the new one. But it's when we become unconscious to our, you know, and lots of people are unconscious to their programs and behaviours, and when we become unconscious, then you're firing and wiring the old pathways. Yeah. So, um, and talking about, uh, like, we keep, the, uh, the best place to be is keep cultivating and maintaining that elevated emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to keep it familiar every day. How do we how do we get to a place like that? Is it through meditation, like you speak about? Well, a lot. I think it's, I think it's different for everyone. For me, it's definitely been meditation. And you know, ele- the elevated emotions were the things that I probably struggled with the most. You know, if you ask me to go and fold out into the go and unfold in a unified field, I can't <laughs> easy. But you go go now and cultivate an elevated emotion and feel grateful for your gift. And I'm like, ah. Oh. Oh, it's really hard, and it's um, and again, it's just been something. The more that I've done, the easier it's got. I find, you know, um, I've got things that I am I love in my life, like my yes. dog, my horses, yes. and all those sort of things. And yeah. so I would go and listen to really music right before I meditated. That would put me in an elevated state. I find yeah. music's great for that. I would, you know, make sure I look at the photos of the dog or horse, or just connect with that, and then I would take great. that. And I trained myself to take things that I was already grateful for and sort of take that into my meditation. And now I can cultivate it by myself. But again, that took two years and I'm a dedicated meditator. So. Yeah. Wow, two to four hours, amazing. So how about mind movies taking you back to a new forward time? Yeah. Um, you know, where, where you were feeling fantastic and people were saying great things about you. Obviously, uh, different neuropeptides were coming out in response, mm-hmm. you know, to feeling great about yourself. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so, well, mind movies are great because, again, it's a bit like that mental rehearsal, right? Your body doesn't know the difference. So no. one of the things I do after I meditated and I'm in a really, you know, I've come out of my two-hour meditation, I'm in this great thing, I've got a mind movie on my phone that is what my, what my future looks like. And so I will go and watch it and I watch it over and over again. And, again, my mind thinks that that's real. Because I'm just, I'm in a half, I'm in a sort of trance-like state after I've come out of a meditation. So my brainwaves have dropped into maybe theta and delta. So delta, you're much yeah, more, great. you're much more suggestible in those states. And so that sort of slips right past into the back of my brain, where my brain goes, oh, it's real. And it just, it's like we were saying, you know, how you look at it, your life, and you just see the things from the place that you're at. If you can slip a mind movie into the back of your yeah. brain and you're in a delta or theta state your mind then goes and looks for those things. So it starts searching for those opportunities and that's, that's part of you starting to look for new opportunities. So that's why mind movies are so great. And then, of course, you put the elevated emotions in. So when you're yeah. watching the mind movie, I'm feeling all the things I'm feeling for all those things that I want to accomplish in my life. And so you start feeling those emotions every day if you've already had it. And then that starts to draw that event into your life. Yeah, so those mental rehearsals rewire the circuits in your brain to install circuits that look like the experience had already happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, you also said that theta-delta stage is easier to experience um, these conditions. That's normally when you wake up too, just wake up. So yes, your habits, exactly. what you do the first thing in the morning would be very yes. um, imperative, yeah, to, to program your day. Yes, yeah. 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 You know, so most people look at, right. yeah, what do most people do when they wake up in look the morning? Look at Facebook. Yeah, so if they're looking at things that are fearful, if they're looking at the TV, if they're looking at, you know, the latest bombing in, in Iraq uh-huh. or what's happening, all the fear that's installed in this society and programmed and, you know, <laughs> their stress response 
is going to come out biochemically in that mode that we talked about and they won't be able to create is that right yeah well exactly you know and that that becomes part of the programming so if you you are very suggestible you're absolutely right first thing you wake up in the morning because the brain is just moving out of deep delta and it moves back up into beta and then it moves into um, beta before uh, into alpha before it goes into beta and high beta is stress response so it moves backwards through those brain waves just as we wake up and and if the first thing you do is look at your phone and go to Facebook and those sort of things, they it's hypnotic programming, you know. It's that, all that stuff and all the ads that pop up on your Facebook page, that's a great time for them to slip in and past your brain. And then that, that sets the tone for your day, which is, you know, first thing I do when I, I wake up early, I go into another room and I... I to ask you that. What do you do? Mm, yeah, I wake up... Um, it depends on the day, but um, I'll wake up between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. <coughs> 4 a.m. Meditate. Okay. Yeah, if, if I do 4 a.m. maybe three times a week, and that'll be a four-hour meditation in the morning. And then if I'm up at 6, it's a two-hour meditation. Keep going. Yeah, and then, then it just Habits. depends on the day. Yeah. So once I've finished and I watch my mind movie, I do that for a little bit. And then, so when you talk about mind movie, just explain it to maybe people who aren't aware in the audience. What? what... Sure. So it's a maybe... I think mine's a five-minute clip, and it's a clip of a, a song that makes me feel really inspired. And then every three seconds, the slide will change, and it's got a different picture on it. So for me, it might be, like, my health. Um, it'll have stuff about travelling. It'll have all the things that I want to create. And where you want to be, yeah. It's like a little movie of my future, of what I want my future to look like, and I write sayings on it, like, I'm really grateful now that I... Can you repeat um, that? Where you want to be, not where you don't want to be. Exactly, and it's all, you write it as if you've already got it. So I'm so grateful now that I, um, you know, I, like I've got things like I lead a team of individuals dedicated to shifting global consciousness, and that will go across a couple of slides, and I might have a slide about, you know, I travel the world to places that make me feel awe, that make me feel inspired, and there'll be each a different slide of places that I want to travel in the world. Um, and it's just it's exactly what I want my life to look like. Written as if I've already had it, with lots of gratitude in there. And lots and of emotion, heightened yeah, emotion. Yeah, lots of emotion and a song that may really connect me to that. So you've made um, this up like on a PowerPoint slide pack or something and you've just run through you, your computer that, and then you, you watch it? You can do it, well, on, if you've got an iPhone, you can do it through iMovie. It's pretty easy to do. Okay. Otherwise, there is an app. You have to look at that, iMovie. Yeah, yeah, or you can do it. There's an app. Or a program called Mind Movie that was okay. developed by Natalie. Still knows well. how to and do it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got all the um, instructions on how to do it on there and put it and put it together. And it's yeah. a really great. Natalie Ledwell. Yeah. Yep. And that is that will be how I start my day. And then I am really big about not being in routine. So you know I will brush my teeth with a different hand every day. Like I don't want to fall into any. Routine. Fantastic. Yeah. Why? Because I, your your um, neurotransmitters get duplicated right by stimulation yeah and for me it's i want to keep my brain really stimulated so that's one way to keep my brain you know learning and and not falling into redundancy patterns especially as i'm just getting going for the day and then it depends if i'm seeing patients it'll be you know um i really do a special meditation on the mornings that i see patients so i'm really coherent for the day that i see clients because i'm really mindful about um you know, my energy will affect them. So I want to be in a really high elevated state and really super coherent when I'm working with clients. And same when I see the horses, because horses are so sensitive oh, to that. Amazing. Stuff. 
And then if I'm at home, you know, doing work on the laptop and, and working on business stuff, um, with contract stuff, then, you know, it's a slightly different start to the day. But again, I still want to be super coherent. I might do some journaling. If I've got um, a couple of mornings a week where I have a bit more time, I'm an avid reader, so I might be reading or listening to an e-book that Dr. Joe's generally asked me to read. Those 12 books that you've got at the side table oh, that I see sometimes. <laughs> and every week he gives me a new one, yeah. So I'll be, you know, reading that and I'll be, you know, listening listening to stuff on neuroscience and neuroplasticity and quantum physics or or he gives me some great <coughs> books like Red Line and um, Nine Faces yeah. of Christ, two Fantastic. recent ones I've read yeah. that are amazing books. So, you know, I'm just, for me, it's all about building a model um, of our reality and what it looks like. So the more consciousness that I can bring to it, the greater effect I can have on my reality and what my life looks like. Fantastic. So you've obviously got some, um, some good habits that you start the day day with there, Fiona. Do you actually bookend your day and, and have uh, like some habits and I guess those key things that you do at the end of the day that set you up for success for the next day? Yeah, so at the end of the day I've got a journal. I'll generally do exactly what you were saying earlier, Brett. I'll write things that I'm grateful for because yeah. I want my brain to see that stuff. So every night it's three things that I'm super grateful for and I'll connect with that. Yeah. Um, if I've got any, generally right before I go to bed is when I come up with all my genius ideas. So I make sure I write them down so they're not rattling around in my head before I go to meditate. Um, right at the, I don't watch TV um, unless I'm watching a documentary or something <laughs> like that. So it's just a conscious choice. Well, you don't watch The Bachelor. No, I'm, no. Stirring, I'm stirring you. <laughs> I just, I'm like, why would I want that in my brain? Yeah. You know, you'll be so susceptible to that stuff. So. You know, and people watch TV to numb out and things like that. Yeah, they do. I've, yeah, I've become so passionate about my life. I just, I don't need, I don't, I don't need that anymore. So I might watch a documentary or I might listen to a podcast. I'm so, at the moment, I'm just in expansion learning mode. So I'll listen to something like that and then I'll read again at night. And then I go back into a two-hour meditation practice. Great. Do you have a favourite podcast at the moment? really rotate so at the moment I'm into whenever Joe Rogan has something really mm. good on I really like to sometimes he interviews the most well I was listening to obviously the one with Elon Musk the other day and mm-hmm. yeah. AI I quite like Aubrey Marcus as well I listen to him as well yep. um, yeah who else am I listening to London Real when they've got really yeah. good people on mm-hmm. and um, who's that other guy that's a bit like London Real American guy as well that he has some great ones as well. Ritrol? Um, I know Ritrol was on London Real recently and and they actually... He's really well known and I should know this because he... um, Not Gary Vee. Not Gary Vee, no. No, No. not Gary Vee. No, I've I've totally lost it. I can even see what he looks like in my mind. (laughs) That's okay. That's all good. (laughs) I can't remember Can we go down the rabbit hole again? Because I know I haven't got much more time with you. So there's a few things I want to clarify. Um, let's talk about the placebo effect. Oh, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. So what are the consequences of making people believe that they have um, an innate incredible power that they can heal themselves? I mean, that's what we're yeah. here for. Okay, so let's look at the placebo effect in um, such as double blind studies. And you know where they show that um, uh, even though some people are taking the placebo, they actually think they're taking a drug. So the body actually makes the yes, exact makes chemicals, the chemicals, yeah, to mimic yes. the drug for healing. So it's actually yes. creating the pharmacy inside themselves to yes. heal, even though they're taking the placebo. 
Yeah. Can we uh, start teaching people to start putting that belief inside of themselves rather than externally? Of course. I mean, the body is the body is designed to heal. Like it is amazing when you just it is. <laughs> take out all the things that get in the way of it, it doing that. And you know, that's normally us and our mind and our thoughts. You know, Byron Katie, I don't know if you know her yes, work, yeah. she's just amazing about, you know, we believe thoughts and, you know, it's like, is that true? Is that really true? And that's something I do every day with my thought. I'm like, a thought might come up and I'm like, is that true? How do I know it's true? <laughs> well, who would I be if I didn't have that thought? Yeah. And that thought's not true. <laughs> it's only true because we believe it to be so, really, isn't it? That's our reality with yeah. our filters on, that's right. Yeah. But the, the placebo is just, and exactly right, they did this study, and I can't remember I can't remember the drug that they were doing, but they the more pat, the, the longer, the more technical the name, uh, they make drugs rhyme. So, you know, like yeah. you think of Viagra, mm -hmm. and it, it rhymes with Niagara. There is no coincidence no. about that and no. flow. You know, that's done and deliberately. <laughs> that, is, that is a pro, you know, like Viagra. <laughs> it's programmed. That is a program. So, you know, drug companies are super smart when they do that stuff. Oh, and wow. You know, they had this experiment and they were giving people, they it was all of this stuff and they had a great name for it and whatever. And I it, I can't remember the what it was, but the people were producing those exact, exact it was a, pharmacy, um, yeah. it was a Parkinson's, it was a Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease, yeah. It was a Parkinson's, yeah, was Parkinson's yeah. And they, they gave it and they told, you know, it's this brand new thing and I think, and, um, you know, there was this brand new drug and it was meant to be the cure for Parkinson's. And people that took it, their bodies, started to produce because it's dopamine that gets mm. you know obviously attacked their body started to produce all the stuff that you know gets knocked out in parkinson's around dopamine and their whole brain changed and until then and people got so better and then the day went and said oh no sorry you're on a placebo <laughs> <laughs> i love it and yeah. then within three weeks they they went back to having all the and their symptoms had disappeared this was Hardcore Parkinson's, you know, end stage shaking and, and, you know, their bodies produced and overcame everything on a placebo. They yeah. weren't even taking a drug, you know. It's, it's just amazing because the power of suggestion and the power of belief. So it is so important. It really is. Mm. Yeah. And, and to know that our bodies are, you know, totally capable of that, you know, it's not... And if you read any of Bruce Lipton's stuff... I was you know, just about not, to mention epigenetics. Yes! yes. <laughs> it's not... It's not the, People think it's our genes that create disease, but we know now that it's not. It's the environment that signals to the genes. And part of our environment is our thoughts and how we believe. And that's, you know, nutrition and everything is really important and it helps. But what Well, it does. It signals genes as well. Yeah, there's certain foods that actually, yeah, yeah, that do and signal genes. Yeah. Yeah, but what do, what are we living with day in and day out? And our, it's thoughts. our thoughts. Yeah. You know, brain. and they are just as important as everything else. You know, I always to my clients like we can put all the good food in but if you're still having negative thoughts all your organic food is just turning into organic negative thoughts you know so <laughs> look at everything okay so um epigenetics i want to go down that rabbit hole again so mm -hmm. it was brought up recently that uh dna from epigenetics can come down 14 generations yeah how exciting is that it's super exciting because it means that Anything that we do to change our future, you're changing it 14 generations forward. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of generations, isn't it? That's a lot of generations. So does that mean emotions and thought patterns can come down to that individual and they don't realise why they're feeling or thinking a certain way? Yeah, I was talking to someone about this the other day and there's definitely what they've found. And I, again, 
I don't know. I don't want to say that this was quoted in a research study. I'm not sure. This was a conversation I had, but there was talks about, and I actually, no, it must be a research paper that they've shown that it's come down that many generations. And if someone, say, 14 generations ago, went through massive trauma, I think the study was on sexual abuse, um, and that does travel forward, and that trauma and those stress hormones can be stuck in the body. And even though someone may not experience that, their body can still have the trauma chemicals released because of the way the DNA is encoded if their environment and they've been in anything that looks similar and they're thinking and feeling in that pattern. So let's have saying. a look at the cultures we've had around the world, the indigenous um, yeah. cultures that have experienced that coming yeah. through their DNA. Amazing. Exactly. Mm. And it, it does change the way the DNA functions. But the best part is that, you know, because genes are so affected by our environment that we can think and change if we can think that's and right think and act greater than our environment we re-signal those genes and so we don't have to be victims to programming from our, from no. our past generation no. we have the ability to absolutely yeah. heal and transform that in quite you know again i watch people in a week-long retreat completely yeah. shift their lives around fantastic so. and i think yeah. you know it's probably going to be a bit esoteric it might sound a bit woo-woo for some some people out there but when you talk about you know, those that trauma being passed down fourteen generations, I think every generation we all suffer trauma on some level. You think sure. that you know we've got fourteen generations of trauma building up in our own body, so the, we really need to have a look inside ourselves and do a sort of self healing. And when we can do that in the present and be in the present and live in the present, we actually do change the past. So. Well, time is not yeah. linear. Mm. No. No, but time only exists in the eternal now. Like, time is just an illusion. So, it, yes, you are 100%. And that is, to wrap your head around that, I'd have to get Dr. Joe to explain that. He does a great <laughs> job. I'm going to make it sound woo-woo. But you're absolutely right that when you change it in the present moment, you actually change it. It has a ripple effect going backwards. You're yeah. right. And I, also, I can't explain the science behind Yeah, it. but also going forward as well. You know, so, absolutely. Um, yeah. people to walk into their dreams and their visions i know you, we were talking about coherence weren't we of, of a brain and uh heart mm-hmm. remaining in that current state um so how do we actually get them to walk into their dreams and experience their visions well i think the first thing is just becoming aware if you you know if you're listening and you think oh, my life isn't really how i want it to be the first thing i think i want to say to anyone is you absolutely have the power to change that you don't have to live a life where you're questioning whether, you know, whether you, where you're not feeling excited. That's not, I don't believe, a life that we're meant to live. We're not meant to do no. this work until our 70 thing. And so I think the first thing is to have a self-awareness. The second thing is to know that you're worthy enough to go out and be the change and go and find someone that you can talk to or read a book or pick something up where you can just start to build a model and a framework and start to understand that that you have the power to change that. And once you get started on that path and on that trajectory, to make it your absolute mission to change your future and know that you have that power. And I think if you go at creating your future with the same passion people take to watching X Factor, then I think, <laughs> you know, or to the football, you know, I think, imagine a, a, yeah, you're an right. avid Collingwood supporter taking that much passion into creating their life. 
Like everybody has that in them for something. If we took that amount of passion and said, you know what, I'm going to put that amount of energy into creating my life, how different the world would be. And it's just as simple as making a choice to know that you have the power to change and then finding books and, and reading things and connecting with people and going and seeing coaches and people that know how to do this and get help and support and then make it your mission. I mean, that's what I did, you know, and it was just, I was, I don't think we've said it yet, but I was diagnosed with MS and told that I'd be in a wheelchair by now and you know, like all of that sort of stuff. And I was like, you know what? That doesn't sound like a future that I'm going to create. And it's, you know, it's just, you know, it's just knowing that that is something that you're capable of. And anyone, it's not just me, it's you guys, it's anyone has that, but it takes yeah. it takes passion and it takes energy. And for me, that's more important than watching Game of Thrones and going and to football. So. It, yeah, it really takes intent, doesn't it? And so a lot of people live like in a trance and they go to work, they come home, they yeah. have dinner, they put the TV on, they sit down yeah. and like you said, they just get numb watching TV. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that watching TV is bad, but you need to have intent behind why you're watching it. So why are you watching that? Why are you watching that program? Is it because you've had a really bad day and just want to relax and, and do nothing? Well, that's fine. Yeah. We'll allocate thirty minutes and, and do that for thirty minutes, but don't spend your whole life doing it. So exactly, it's a consciousness. And yeah, it, and you're right. It's a tr- and for me, it's, it's a choice. And I think so it many is. of us just flip through life in a trance, and life disappears from you. And for me, it was yeah, being right. diagnosed with something serious and being told someone else telling me what my yeah. future is going to look like, and I thought stuff that and so and then I took to it with you know a level of passion and, and to create something different and I and I have and I think again if anyone takes that level of passion and you know it's like learning a musical instrument learning to drive if you take that same concentration and energy it's eventually you know for me it's now become this is my new normal so I live like this normally and I don't have to think about it anymore yeah. you know um, change creates a lot of chaos in the brain, though, for a lot of people. You know, they become fearful. Um, you know, as, yeah. as a brain rewires, um, yeah. it's it's a, a place where a lot of change occurs. And some people would rather cling to, you know, their unhappy state than take a chance with the possibilities. No. What I call the quantum field. You know, yeah, um, no, because no, they know. Yeah, yeah. But so it's not always easy for people to change. I know no. that. I'm aware of that. No, and I think you know you've got to remember that um, chaos precedes order. And yeah. a greater level of order. So when you get so to that stage, what would you suggest for people? Keep if, going. It's yeah. a great sign because, you know, you have to unravel to re-ravel. And so when you well, Can get, you say I that again? Because a lot of people think when they're unraveling like that, they think that um, they're failure. They're a failure. Um, they can't achieve it. They can't become compliant. No, I just say keep going. You look at what that little acorn has to go through. It has to crack through <laughs> and do all these sort of things and then it's in the dark. And it has to the acorn. Is that because you... Yeah, the caterpillar. Yeah. Yeah, the caterpillar. The caterpillar is a great example. You know, like you have to unravel. And it's quantum physics. You know, a, great, a, a greater level of order comes after chaos. And so we know that. You know, we were in a Dr. Joe event because we're behind the scenes and we've got chaos going everywhere. Okay? <laughs> yeah, it normally is when you What do you see? What do you see? Seriously, what do you see? All that chaos. What do you see? You just, you know, you're just, you're in the unknown. And that, I think that the unknown is what scares people. But yeah. if you ever listen to anything that Dr. Joe says, when you're in the unknown, that's when you're creating something new because you can't create anything new from the known because you'll just keep creating what you've got. And that's, that's the thing, right. if you keep going to work and doing the same thing, the same you things, can't, yeah. it's the same thing, same you results. can't create anything there. 
You have yeah. to get into the unknown to create something new. And it's crossing that desert in the middle of the unknown to get to where you want to be. And that's uncomfortable and scary for people, but you just have to know that's part of the process. And for me now, I love being in the unknown. Yeah, yeah. I often I use the analogy the of, um, you know, when people go to the gym, you need to experience the pain and, and experience being uncomfortable for the muscles to actually grow. And, and our lives are the same. So we, so many people love to be comfortable, but people need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable if they want their life to actually grow. It's a great analogy. And that's, and that's exactly right, you know. That's where all, and that's where all the magic is. Absolutely. You know, it's always so short talking to you, though. It always goes so quickly. Um, it's, just a, it's, it's been an hour already. Can you believe that? And I just felt like we were just getting going. We were just warming up. There's so much more to talk about. We'll have to get you back on. And we didn't Seriously. stop for him. Breaks. Sorry? We didn't stop for well, breaks. You didn't even put on your favourite music. We'll have to play some in the back. <laughs> what you requested. <laughs> You'll never talk to me again. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love you. You're absolutely inspiring. You, your trajectory is amazing. He is so lucky, Dr. Joe, to have you on his on his team. He seriously is. You're always full of inspiration and wisdom. Um, and I think Mother Earth is so lucky to have you. And I am so honoured to know you. Seriously, it's just amazing. Oh, I love you. You're such a goddess. It's been um, an amazing talk. I can't believe it's only been an hour. It's gone so quickly. <laughs> so but I hope our audience has enjoyed it. Yeah, before we wrap up, Fiona, where, where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? Do you have yes. like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all yeah, that sort of stuff? I'm, I'm Find me on there, and then you know if they're interested in any of the week-long retreats. I know he's in Australia, but I think that's in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you go to the doctorjoedispenza.com, all his events are up there, and I'm at the moment. I'm at most of them. So my team leader, what you team leader? What was what was the last one that you were called? We had the otters. That's it. Yeah, my next. Yeah, my little otters. We scaled up a 35 building. So I saw. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. How did most people cope with that? My team was amazing, but I've been climbing them all week to embrace their inner Tom Cruise. And so when I watched them come down the wall, they were they were amazing. I was like, oh my goodness, you guys are amazing. <laughs> my movies, yeah, I can imagine yeah, what you show it. All week I was on the Tom Cruise, inner Tom Cruise. <laughs> Yeah, you're fantastic. You're always just amazing. I can feel the frequency coming through the phone. Absolutely amazing. We're so lucky to know you. Um, all right, we'll have to definitely have you back on. Well, there we go. We've wrapped up another podcast. Thank you for staying with us. And for if you're a new person coming in to listen to a new listener, thank you for joining us here at the Leadership Sensei Radio. If you're a repeat listener, thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for joining us again. And I hope you got great value once again from it and also let's say again thank you to my listeners all around the world you make a big difference it makes it really meaningful for me to know that there are actually people tuning in and listening if i can ask you to please subscribe on whatever platform that might be whether it be itunes or soundcloud or stitcher whatever platform that you're listening to this on if you haven't seen my youtube uh, channel please go to the leadership sensei you'll see this uh, podcast come up live over the next couple of weeks as we get that through if you haven't joined me and joined our community at on facebook please also do that you can find me at the leadership sensei on facebook most days i do have a short video going up and i do put other content up there at various times as well so thank you again have a great week i'll see you next time